Phil's um, one of the elders of the church uh, along with me. And so let's just pray for him as he speaks. Father God, would you um, speak through Phil this morning? Would your spirit encourage our hearts? Would you speak deeply to each one of us? And Lord, let us not go out the same way we came in this morning. Let us be changed by your truth and your words. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wonderful. Well, friends, we are and started last week looking at the Psalms of Ascent, a collection of Psalms, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, uh, in, within the book of Psalms, which is there or thereabouts in the middle of your Bible. And we started them last week working through uh, what God wants to say to us through his word, through these Psalms. Um, and Derek did a brilliant job of introducing them last week just to say uh, and reiterate the people of Israel will have journeyed three times a year towards the festivals held at Jerusalem. As they did so, they would have sung these psalms, the psalms of ascent together. They would have sung them in community. They would have recited them together in the families, extended families, communities that they travelled among together to Jerusalem. And um, also worth probably just pointing out is this wasn't, this wasn't actually, you know, Israel's greatest hits dance anthems that they sang together as they kind of boogied along on the way to Jerusalem. Um, I know some of you are appreciating those moves. Um, it's really poor, isn't it? Um, in fact, what we know about these psalms is they were a collection of psalms brought together that were put together in Jewish tradition to sing at these festivals, but some of them came from very different places. So you've got psalms of lament among the psalms of ascent. They are psalms of grief. God, I'm going through this. This is hard. There's psalms of thankfulness. There's psalms of confidence. Uh, There's psalms of wisdom. And there's liturgical psalms that would have been sung at the beginning and at the close of the festivals. There's There's a lot of variation in the psalms that the people would have sung together. And we'll touch on that a bit later. That's important. But today we're going to be looking at Psalm 124. So please do... Turn there in your Bibles. I might start reading before you've turned there, so turn there quickly. Um, Psalm 124. It says this. If it had not been the Lord who is on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who is on our side when the people rose up against us, then we would have been swallowed up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. What a song of thanksgiving. What a triumphant song. Perhaps the first thing I'll do is just to ask you, um, among us, you, will have, you, you, you who have gathered here today with us um, will have gone through things in your life where you'll be able to put your finger on moments and say, I know God delivered me in that instance and God was with me then and this happened. So maybe you can fill in the blank. Maybe there are different scenarios that you've gone through where you've been at various peril. That sounds very dramatic, doesn't it? Or... or or things have gone on, you know, actually, if it hadn't been for fill in the blank, X, I would have been swallowed up alive. Um, no doubt there are moments among your lives that you can 
You can put your finger on and go, yeah, that, that was then. For me, uh, some of you will know, I work in Peterborough Prison, which is just up the road. Um, I used to be a prison officer there for five years. I'm not a prison officer now. Um, but as a prison officer, it probably won't be hugely surprising, but you end up in some very, very intimidating situations. Um, there are moments in the prison as a prison officer where I was scared uh, because of what I was having to deal with, with what I was confronted by. Um, I was scared. And um, actually, one day, uh, a guy who, for the sake of the recording for the preach, we're going to call Toby, uh, joined the team that I worked uh, on, managing a wing of inmates. This guy called Toby came and he, he joined the team with me. And uh, I trained him up. I like to take that credit. Um, but Toby was a guy who was like six foot four in stature and built like an armoured tank. He was a big dude. And um, needless to say, when Toby and myself were on shift together, I would be able to say if it had not been for Toby who was on my side, I would have been swallowed up alive because Toby was a great help. Uh, there are situations which would have been a bit more dramatic and a bit more hairy and a bit more pear-shaped had Toby not been there. Also, more seriously, genuinely, I can say to you, as you know, working in that context, in that environment, I know very well that actually if it hadn't been the Lord who was on my side, I would have been swallowed up alive in that environment. But God is with us, isn't he? Isn't that amazing? David, when he looks back, David wrote this psalm. When he looks back, he's not, he's not contemplating something ethereal or subjective, something out there that was maybe or maybe not something like David's experience. David is talking about something that definitely happened. He's talking about real events. This is not subjective, it's objective. This happened and he's writing this saying, if it hadn't been the Lord who was on our side, we would have been swallowed up alive. It's likely that David wrote this psalm as a result of the events that happened in 2 Samuel chapter 5. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, we read that the nation called the Philistines, a neighbouring nation of Israel, would travel up. They didn't like the Israelite people, the Israelite nation. And so, as was common in those days, it still happens today, this nation came up to overthrow and to destroy the people of Israel. And so David, who is king at the time, says, Lord, I know these people are coming. Will you fight for us? Will you give them into our hands so that we would, be, we would defeat them and not be beaten? And God says, yes. And so they go into battle and uh, wonderfully, Israel prevailed. The Lord was on their side. A little while later, we don't know how long, a little while later, the Philistines clearly hadn't had enough. They know we still don't like you. We want you out of the land. And so they come up again and they battled against David. David, before it happened, said, Lord, will you again bring them into our hands, give them into our hands that we would defeat them? The Lord said, yes, but this time I want you to go around them, flank them and come from behind in battle. Surprise them and I'll give them into your hand. David listens. He's a man who seeks God. He listens and he obeys and God gives them an amazing victory again. David's army was a decent army, as armies go. Um, he had a strong army. But he gives credit where credit's due. And he says, Lord, if it hadn't been for you, we would have been utterly overcome. If it hadn't been for you, we would have been utterly overcome. He is thankful. David is thankful 
We see in this psalm an expression of thanksgiving to God. And so friends, the first thing I just want to draw out is that very simply, we want to be a thankful people. Paul, the apostle, speaks to the young church in Thessalonica and he writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That's not always easy, is it? It's a real challenge sometimes. But he reminds us, as David, the psalmist, reminds us here, let's be thankful. So I wonder what moments there might be in your life where you're able to say, actually, you know, if it hadn't been the Lord in this particular instance where I felt broken already, if it hadn't been the Lord who had helped me in my time of need, I would have been absolutely destroyed. I would have just fallen to pieces. You know, maybe some of us can relate to that. Maybe there are times where you say, actually, I know the Lord delivered me from a temptation which I just couldn't, I couldn't fight, I wasn't strong enough. And there was this thing in front of me, this, this temptation, this distraction from the enemy or whatever, that was too great for me and wonderfully, and God's wonderful mercy has just taken that out of your way. Maybe you're, you, you've been on the brunt of the end of abuse or various other things in relationships. Maybe it's work, maybe it's colleagues, maybe it's family. And you think, actually, if it hadn't been for the Lord who vindicated me in those moments, I would have been swallowed up alive. The waves would have overtaken me. Friends, there are moments, aren't there, that we can reflect on and say, if it hadn't been for him, we give glory to God because we, we, are, we live thankfully because of how he's been at work in our lives. Don't we? It's good for us. It's good for us to do. One of the other beautiful things is that this psalm in context, like I said earlier, I said we'd come back to this, is that the Psalms of Ascent were written where there would have been those who were travelling in the community groups towards Jerusalem who won't have all been able to go, woo, I'm singing for joy right now. Because they would have been going through things that are really, really difficult. Really, really difficult. That's a no-brainer. Of course there would have been. And so I want to say to you, if you're, if you're here this morning and you're going through really, really difficult things, this psalm doesn't mean you should just pull up your bootstraps, get on and sing and start singing about your thankfulness. If that's difficult for a time, that's okay. But the beauty of this is that actually as the people were singing together, sometimes they'd be singing songs of lament. And this person of whom there are some of us among us today who are going through really difficult times will be singing those songs. God, Why? And then, on the other hand, you'll have those who are not going through those times, not going through those difficult moments and are able to put their arms around. You can just imagine it as they travelled up towards Jerusalem, able to put their arms around those who were suffering and struggling, able to say, look, we will sing of the truth of God's deliverance, of his goodness towards us, even while you're going through difficulty. We, we can sing for you. We can sing over you the truth that God is our, is our rescuer, even whilst you're going through difficult times. There's something very beautiful. And so, friends, if you're going through difficulty, then allow us to put our arms around you. We won't be perfect brothers and sisters to each other. We're not. But allow us to journey together so that we can strengthen each other. Thinking, actually, back as I was a prison officer, I remember, and this will be 
Perhaps you know nothing in comparison to some of the things that you're going through, but for me, I remember moments regularly. Sometimes there were weeks, time and time, every week I'd come to God and say, Lord, what, what are you doing? Why am I here going to work in a, 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 a profession which I found so hard at times, so stressful at times, but God said, no, I've called you to that place. Sometimes we go through really difficult times together. And as we go through those times, because life is up here sometimes and life is down here sometimes, God wants us to learn something and that is that we would be a people who are able to know and remember his faithfulness, his goodness, his redemption, his rescue, whilst we're up there and whilst we're down there. David also goes on to say, Blessed be the Lord, from verse six in the psalm, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. David was a successful king in many ways. But he also had moments in life where he, he fell snare to the fowler's net. He was caught in the trap, so to speak. And though the context for you and I today is different to what the context was for David then, it is true that we still travel through life where there are snares, fowler's snares, ready to trip us up and trap us and, 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 and harm us. So we live in a world where the, the current is, is saying, no, come this way, live your life this way. And we say, no, I love Jesus, and so I'm going to live my life this way. And we, so we're, we're swimming upstream, and it's hard work. We live in the flesh. If you're a Christian, you know that God's made you a new creation. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And so he's rewiring us to honour and love God. And yet we were born in, into sin and, 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 and there's still wiring that is bent towards sin. And so we live in the flesh which wants to do this and, and, but we say, no, we want to honour God. Not only that, but we, we have an enemy. The Bible says that he wants nothing more than to steal, kill and destroy. That's what scripture says. If you're a Christian, he wants to rob you of your inheritance in God, in Christ, the fullness of your relationship with him. He wants to sever that. He wants to rob you of that. And so there are snares. There are traps, aren't there? Perhaps, perhaps some traps and some snares you're particularly tempted by or faced with at the moment is material possessions. And where that becomes too big an idol or too big a thing which we are absorbed by and enjoy, but we don't enjoy the person who's the giver of good things, we've got it wrong and we, we, we're becoming ensnared by something. The love of money is not too far different, but maybe it's just acquiring of, where's your confidence? Is your confidence in the money you have? Where's your joy from? Is it in the security that your bank balance is fairly good? Or is it in the Lord who loves you and who calls you a son and a daughter? Is it lust? At one end of the spectrum, we've got prostitution and pornography. And yes, both of them are that end of the spectrum. They're awful. And yet it's a temptation. It's a very real temptation. Are there snares in your life that want to catch you? It's the devil trying to do things and saying, look, I'm gonna, I want to steal you away so that I would rob you of your joy in God. James 4, verses 7 and 8 say this. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Isn't that wonderfully reassuring? 
Yes, it is, Phil. <laughs> That's wonderfully reassuring. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. Not, not in our own strength. We don't do that by ourselves because guess what? He comes back again and we, you know, we're a bit weak. We're not very good at being strong in and of ourselves. But he's given us a spirit, his spirit. And so we draw near to God and he says, look, I will do you good. I will rescue you. I will nurture your heart. I will look after you. And so we live being very weak, close to God, strengthened by him. Friends, let's do that, shall we? Let's do that together. Let's be thankful in the trials. Let's resist the devil and draw near to God. The more beautiful thing that this psalm points to is that David, when he wrote the psalm, is talking about a temporary victory. David, when he wrote the psalm, is talking about something that happened then. He's talking about a rescue of God and we can thankfully, you and me, if we know and love the Lord, we'll be able to point to things. We've already established that. We'll be able to point to things that God has done in our lives and say, wow, praise God. David here is referring to an event where God overthrew the armies of the Philistines and gave them victory. But later on, we know that the trajectory of the, the, the nation of Israel went like this as they were carried away into slavery as well as a nation. This psalm points to a greater victory. This psalm points to not a, not, not a temporary victory, but a permanent victory. This psalm points to a rescuer who has come and he is a person and he is the, name, he is, he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came that you might have life in all its fullness. And he came that you might be not temporarily rescued, but absolutely and completely rescued. So that the tone of our songs, of our, song, of our, of our songs when we sing, will not just be lament anymore, but forever and for eternity, they would be songs of thanksgiving. Because friends, there's a day coming where there will be no more pain, no more hardship, no more trials, no more snares. There's a day coming where we will be taken up into all eternity to be with him forever. Isn't that absolutely glorious? Paul says, the Apostle Paul again, when he writes to the Romans, in, in, in the letter to the Romans, he says, what then shall we say to these things? It's likely some think that he wrote this thinking of Psalm 124 in mind, God's deliverance. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. He who did not spare his own son but gave, a, gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Wow. Ephesians 2 says, when we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins, stumbling around, lost, dead in our sins, he made us alive together with Jesus because Jesus was raised from the dead. You can be raised with him to life. By grace you have been saved. Hallelujah. It's got nothing to do with what we do, my behavior, your behavior. It's got everything to do with the work of Jesus, that he took your sin, your selfishness, your greed, your lustfulness, your violence, the thoughts that you think which you shouldn't, he took it upon himself and he's cleansed you. Spurgeon, the famous 18th century preacher, said in his exegesis of this psalm, he says, fowlers have many methods of taking small birds and Satan has many methods of entrapping souls. Some are decoyed by evil companions. 
Others are enticed by the love of dainties, that's like delicious things. Happy is the bird that has a deliverer who is strong, mighty, and ready in the time of peril. Happier still is the soul over which the Lord watches day and night to pluck its feet out of the net. Friends, if you love the Lord Jesus and you trust in him for your salvation, happier still are you because he has redeemed your life from the pit. Isn't that good news? That is such good news. If you don't know the Lord Jesus here this morning and you feel like you've been stumbling around in the dark looking for pleasure here, pleasure there, meaning and purpose and struggling to find it, I want to encourage you this morning. You might say, Phil, that's your perception and that's your opinion. You can find it in the Lord Jesus, who is the Lord, who loves you, loves you more than you could ever understand, who was crucified so that you could be free, who was crucified so that you would make him Lord of your life and no fullness. Friends, we have got so much to be thankful for. We have got so much to be thankful for because he has rescued our life from the pit. Let's give him all the glory. I'm gonna pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you chose to leave heaven and come to earth and be our ultimate rescuer and rescue us from our utter despair where, we're, where we were utterly lost and trapped in the snare of the fowler. You're, you, Lord, you have freed us completely. And one day, we look to a day coming where, Lord Jesus, you take us to be with you where forever the tone of our songs will be thankfulness. Lord Jesus, we love you. And I pray for my friends who are going through difficult times this morning that you would encourage their hearts. Amen.